So let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 26. It goes David asked the man who was standing with him, "What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel?" Hey, boss, shots fired. Keep going. Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Hey, next scripture, 1 Samuel 17 verse 37. David added, "The Lord who delivered me from the claws of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine." Woo! And then finally 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 45 and 46b, it goes But David said to the Philistine, "You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand." Then whole world will know that there is a god in israel woo church have you all seen the meme of have you all had the meme i was today years old when i learned that dot 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 have, have you ever seen, have you seen that meme yet well i'd like to ask you a few questions question number one. How old were you when you realized how old were you when you realized that first second third etc that these superscripts are the last letters of the word first second and third when how old were you when you realized that I was this week I mean you just as in seriously do you guys know that when you write out the words first the last two letters st second the last two letters nd okay how old were you Question number 2 How old were you when you learned that the black panther the black panther the animal not the movie <laughs> How old were you when you learned that the black panther is not a species It's either a leopard or a jaguar that has too much melanin How old were you when you learned that I was this week old The dean of Nairobi Lighthouse Church Toro Mr Toro he shared a clip with me a few weeks ago and I have to credit so much of today's message from the clip he sent me and as I read and I studied and researched I read and studied the story of David and Goliath once more and guys I was 3 weeks old ago when i discovered new things about this most beloved story there's still so much that i am still discovering about this story and you guys know it and i know it it's the story of the underdog and the giant right that though we christians are the underdog this insurmountable giant can be defeated the hope that Even if you feel inadequate you have what it takes to defeat the giants of our society and boy do we have giants in our society and don't they come in many levels on a national level the giant of corruption that we have tried to ca- tackle and think was by this time eh that's just who we are 
the spirit of traditionalism that is creeping back into this nation the rising poverty and the dismay that things are not getting better the nepotism and the bribery without which you feel like in Kenya you really can't go far these are giants on a national level well what about on a family community level the abuse in the home the rising cases of divorce the lack of jobs apathy towards life drug addiction infidelity immorality on a family level these are giants we are tackling what about on a personal level the recurring sin issues pornography debt anxiety depression drunkenness habits i've tried to overcome and they are not going away i have impatience incessant anger i have pride selfishness oh those are things that we are having to tackle on a personal level these are giants and i feel like i'm inadequate but for some hope i feel like i can defeat them what about on a global level because this time it is on a global level the push for individualism secularism intersectionality critical theory deconstruction movement progressive christianity sexual identity liberation cultural marxism etc and etc and etc church sometimes these giants feel too great to overcome and we've had the story of david and goliath and thought of ourselves as davids we look at david as the underdog the weaker man whose chances at victory are possible but they are very slim however i have a question for you is this truly the case christian mom christian dad do you feel like the underdog in this story are you the david in this story praying teenager obedient young adult committed husband faithful wife are you the underdog are you the one who feels inadequate coming up against something that seems so much greater so much stronger than you integrous business person loyal employee and wavering student do you feel like the underdog compared to what you are coming up against do you feel like the underdog well i learned something new about this story and it totally changed my perspective and right now it is helping me come at life with a new lease of confidence with a new assurity with a new commitment to my king and a renewed hope for victory now let me illustrate this story for you and together let's discover the weakness of the giant yeah <laughs> let's discover the weakness of this giant the story is from first samuel chapter 17 from 1 verse 1 to verse 50 and for the sake of time let me condense it and i want to bring a picture to you and i want you to picture this okay let me take you to the valley or to the mountains of soko 
and to the, at the mountains at Ella. And that's where the Philistines are camped at, the, at, the, at Soko. And the Israelite army is camped at Ella. And they are mountains. Philistines are on one mountain and Israelites are on the opposite mountain with a valley in between. It's a mountainous region that has left the two armies no choice but to engage in what historians have now called single combat. Because if you are to come from one mountain to attack the other enemy on the other mountain, you are too exposed. And so there's going to be so much loss of life. So you know what armies would do? They would say, bring out your champion and bring out your champion and let them have at it. And whoever wins, we will submit to you. So the Philistines send their champion and demand that Israel sends theirs. Enter the champion of the Philistine army, Goliath from Gath. He is nine foot nine inches. That is almost twice my height. He is a big guy. He has a bronze helmet. He has a bronze coat of mail that weighs 60 kgs. Ladies and gentlemen, he is wearing some of us who are 60 kgs. He has bronze shin guards. Listen up. His spear, his iron point of, of his spear, meaning the head of his spear, is approximately seven kilograms. That is the size of a bowling ball. Imagine who this giant is. He marches out every day proclaiming, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man to fight. The people of Israel are so afraid. And not only does he do this for one day, he does it 40 days. Are you still with me in this story? So let's describe the challenger. The scene cuts to the challenger. The challenger is in Bethlehem. His name is David the Ephrathite. Okay? He is a shepherd by trade and he is sent to the battlefield by his dad <laughs> to deliver food. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Read the story. His brothers are the soldiers. All he's going to do, Maze, is be a delivery boy. Maze, he's an Uber. He hears. So he goes and he hears the taunts of the Philistines and inquires from the people, what will be done to the man who kills these Philistines and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's him. He asks multiple times and scholars agree that the reason he was asking so many times is so that that story could be repeated and the word would get to the king and the word would, and the king would know that there is someone willing to fight. <laughs> Are you the underdog? The king hears and calls him and David says, let no man's, no man's heart fall on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Church, does that sound like an underdog? Does that sound with someone who has a very low probability of victory? Saul tells David, David, you're a youth. And this champion has been fighting since his youth. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, king, for the heads up. Thank you. Wow, I didn't know. So the king gives him his armor to prepare him for battle. 
And now, David is ready to go for war. But before he goes to war, he removes the armor given by Saul. Is this truly an underdog story? I question. He goes and he picks stones. Historians say the valley of Elah, where, he, where they were camped, the stones were made of barium sulfate. They were smooth stones. They were sharp and rounded edges. And they weighed twice the density of a normal stone. So David heads into battle. Now, before we get to the climax, I need to explain something. There were three kinds of warriors. One was the infantry, two was the cavalry, and three was the artillery. Okay? Infantry were those who would go for close battle, close combat. Okay? One on one, mazet, take out your sword, I take out mine, ta 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 ta, eh, like that. Cavalry were those on horseback, and artillery were long distance or long distance fighters. So they would either shoot arrows or sling stones. Okay? So David wasn't in the army, but if he had been, he would have been in the artillery because he was very good with his slingshot. He had practiced countless times and could hit his mark on a moving target with the stopping force of a bullet from a 45 Magnum. That's how good he was. Again, you're still talking about an underdog, right? Goliath was trained as a close combat fighter. And so David's skill set was actually... David's skill set was actually better than Goliath. So, Goliath was actually more vulnerable than David. Another disadvantage of Goliath... He was a giant, and while that gave him height and strength, medical science has speculated that it's possible he suffered from something called gigantism, which meant they, uh, Goliath had flaws. Ooh. He most likely had double vision because the gigantism affects your eyesight, and he had to be led into battle by someone. It says in the story that Goliath was accompanied into battle by an attendant. And then he asked David, why do you come at me with sticks? Plural. It says sticks, not a stick. Why would he ask that? David has gone to the brook to collect stones with his shepherd's staff. If we make the assumption that he took it to battle as well, then Goliath's statement means he could have seen double, many sticks instead of one. And you know the story? David speaks, runs at the giant, and with one shot, takes him down. Does that sound like the story of an underdog? Goliath never stood a chance from the beginning. Goliath was a sitting duck because Goliath had two major flaws, two major weaknesses, and David discovered them. Are you ready? Number one, Goliath was an uncircumcised Philistine. I know, I know, let me, let me give it to you. That means he had no covenant with God. David mentions multiple times. He says, just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What David is referring to is the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 17 verse 7. It says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This is what David is saying. I, because of that covenant, God himself has said it. I will be your God and the God of your descendants. This is what David is saying. I have my backing. What does Goliath have? He is uncircumcised. Let me tell you a story. Abby, my daughter, asks my wife and I this week. And she asks and she, she goes, Dad, uh, she actually asks uh, the mom, Mom, when Jesus, will, just, will Jesus have to die on the cross again? And I'm quickly jumping in, Pastor, Fighter. And I tell her, no, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 10, 10, 12 to 14, I didn't say that, but I know it's in the book of Hebrews. It says, when this spirit, when this priest, Jesus Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. Because by a single offering, he has made perfect for all time those who are being sanctified. This is the covenant we can hold on to. The blood of Jesus Christ has won the victory for us. There is no higher authority than the word of God and the enemy has to bow to that. He had to bow to that at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4 and until today he still has to bow to that word. Goliath had to bow to the covenant of, God, of David's God. Your giant may be bigger than you but your God is bigger than your giant. <laughs> Goliath's towns, his size, his strength were a mere distraction. He had no real backing. He had no real support. He had no real promise. First weakness. Second weakness. Goliath was completely ignorant of David's weapon. When David comes to Goliath to fight, Goliath asks him, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Goliath has no clue that David is fighting like an artillery fighter and not an infantry fighter. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 and 4 says, For though we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. Instead, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. David is saying, you have no idea. Goliath is expecting someone to come and fight with him by sword. Oh my goodness. God has other plans. Remember Paul and Silas when they were facing the giant of injustice and they were put in prison? And they had to engage in war. How did they engage in war? By praising. Remember when Peter was unlawfully in prison and he had to face this giant. How did he win his war? Intercessory prayer. People are praying on his behalf. Your praise is your barium sulfate. Your obedience is your barium sulfate. 
Your prayer is your barium sulfate. Your knowledge and trust in God's word is your barium sulfate. Your integrity is your barium sulfate. Don't forget that Goliath has physical flaws. He wasn't fighting at full capacity as it was, as, as it appeared he was doing. David's skill, David's style, and David's size actually gave him an advantage. Can I tell you for a fact, the enemy has no clue what's coming at him. The enemy is ignorant that your praise is your weapon. Your enemy is ignorant that your integrity, that your obedience is your weapon. Church, wonderful family of God, can I put it to you? Born again dad, can I put it to you? Born again mom, obedient high schooler, unwavering college student, committed wife, faithful husband, diligent businessman, integrous employee, praying student, you are not the underdog. The giants can and shall fall in our lives. They can and they should fall in our lives. We know the weakness. We know the power that we have. So can I just finish by sharing with you some things that David really put to play. That if we as well put these principles into play, man, we will discover the weakness of our giants. Number one, much the giant to your God. First Samuel 17, 26 says, David asked the men who were standing with him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Church, David never matched Goliath to himself. He matched Goliath to the God of the angel armies. Hezekiah, when faced with Sennacherib in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 to 16, he prayed and he said, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made the heavens and the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words that Sennacherib has sent to defy the God, the living God. It is time that you shift hold on to that when the challenges arise, we can match them to our God. When you are having that bout with anxiety, you can speak Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard my heart, it will guard my mind in Christ Jesus. You match your anxiety to that scripture and see what happens. Secondly, keep good, prom keep good records of how God has delivered you. First Samuel 17, 37, David added, The Lord who delivered me from the claws of the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David's confidence was set on the deliverance of God in previous situations. If he has done it before, he will do it again. Psalm 78 verse 11 and verse 42 says, They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. They did not remember his power. The day he redeemed them from the adversary. May we never forget. 
May we never let the current giants downplay and overcome the victories that we have had before. If you've overcome before, use that victory to push you forward to the next victory. The God who delivered me from the lion, the God who delivered me from the bear is the same God who will deliver me from this Philistine. That's what David says. Like David, let's keep good records to remind ourselves if he has done it before, he will do it again. If he set me free from porn, he will set me free again. If he set me free from debt, he will set me free again. If he set me free from things that have bound me, he will set me free even as we go forward. And lastly, number three, engage for God's glory. Engage for God's glory. First Samuel chapter 17 verse 45 and 46 says, But David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Then, that's where the clincher is, then, the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David never engaged the giant to gain a wife. As it, was a, it was a reward. But that's not why he engaged. David never engaged to be exempt from taxes. He never waged war to become popular, to become known. He engaged the enemy so that Israel would know that there is a God who fights for them. There is a God who fights their battle. God was out of David's, uh, David was out for God's fame and glory. Ladies and gentlemen, church of the living God, it is time to engage this enemy for God's glory. It's time to engage the enemy. Make Choices that will intentionally please your God. Make choices that will intentionally bring him glory. Don't be afraid to say no to the bribe. And actually when you say no, say it with confidence. My God says in his word that I shall not bribe. Do it for his glory. And he will not shame you in any way. Amen. Today... I'd like to pray for anyone here who feels the overwhelming pressure, the overwhelming nuances of the giants, the overwhelming fights of the giant. And here you are and you're saying, you know what? I need the strength. I need to see in a different perspective. I need to see as God sees. And if that is you today, I'd like you to raise your hand, believing Christian. And I want to pray a prayer of encouragement. Father, we come to your presence. Father, looking at these hands that have been raised, 
believers who are in the fight, my God. I pray that, Lord, you would change their perspective. That, Father God, as they look, my God, towards this situation once again, and Lord, they will not see it from the eyes of man, but they will see it from the eyes of God. I pray that, Lord, you would give them encouragement, that they will take courage, and they will be strong to keep standing against these giants. That, Lord God, you will bring victory. Lord, you will bring freedom. That, God, you will bring peace over every situation that has overwhelmed your people. We thank you, God. We bless your name. And we shall be here to give you the praise and the glory for every victory that we have come through in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Woo! Come on, church. I want to release you. I want to pray that this is going to be a great week. A great week of victory. A great week of freedom. I declare in faith that as you leave, go and fight your giants. Go and conquer your giants in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have an amazing week, church.